This is Packers Now. Kyle Rogers looking. Throws left side of the end zone. Yes! Touchdown! Place for all your Packers news. Lost it over the left side into the end zone. Intercepted! Adrian Get the latest updates on the green and gold. Snap to Aaron Rodgers. Sets, fires, right side. Got Jordan Kelly at the 30. Touchdown! It's always Packers season at Packers Now. Right here, right now. And the Packers are going to the NFC Championship game. I'm Eros Ben Krakowski, and every year I like to see a, a few things. Where the roster would be, where their salary cap would be. If I took over the Packers at this point, at the end of the regular season. And so what our roster would look like overall going into this 2023 NFL season. So for this exercise, it probably would be better over a video, but I know most of my listeners prefer the podcast as a main source of content. So try to stay with me as this won't be the <clears throat> necessarily easiest podcast to follow because of this, but this exercise starts not with the past. I can't go on the past and say, I wish I would have simply Never re-signed Aaron Jones or Preston Smith. That's not what this is. I look at the Packers roster as soon as the Super Bowl ends. Okay, the Chiefs win the Super Bowl and go from there. Now, we've talked about all these things all offseason. Who should we resign? Who should we cut? Uh, who should we trade? And who should we sign? Who should we draft? But in the moment, I'm not privy to the information that NFL teams are. I don't know that random safety X is going to get super underpaid. And had I known that, he would have been signed by me in my head. So we're going to go through and just totally go through this roster, we are going to uh, figure out, you know, when we trade Aaron Rodgers, to me, when we trade Aaron Rodgers, that's a sign, hey, we're going to cut tons of dead weight on this roster, we're going to trade it away, because to me, remember, if you listen to my last podcast, this is a team right now built to win in 2025. 2023 is gut the roster, add tons of youth. 2024 is land the QB and develop that youth. 2025 is youth is developed and we have the financial flexibility to fill in all the gaps of this roster to make it elite. And so let's walk through what I, Ben Krakowski, as the GM, would have done starting with the coaching. Matt LaFleur is totally underappreciated as one of the better head coaches in the NFL. And Matt is here to stay, but he's made some questionable coordinator decisions during his time. One of those was keeping Joe Barry around. This was year three of the Joe Barry defense. This is the side of the football that was expected to carry us throughout the season. And what Packers fans, Aaron Rodgers was hoping was that this would be the first time the Packers had a top 12, top 12 defense since the Packers won the Super Bowl way back when in 2010. Ever since then, the Packers have never had a defense better than 13 overall, according to DVOA uh, adjusted for competition. So the Packers, this defense just let us down. The Packers had pre-snap issues throughout the season that gave up easy plays in some of the most meaningful situations. You can think of a couple examples, but like the fourth and two in the final game against Detroit where Jair is seven yards off the line of scrimmage, allowing Jared Goff to toss it over to the receiver for an easy three yards in the first down. Those, these are little tiny things that are totally fixable that an elite defensive coordinator doesn't make those types of mistakes on. And that happened throughout the season. Now the data this year told us 
if you were blitzing at a high amount, that's just not the way to go in today's NFL. And even though the data told us that, the Packers blitz at the second highest rate in the NFL up until the, their bye week. After the bye week, the defense adjusted. They went down to the lowest blitz rate in the NFL, all the way from 42% down to 10%, just a dramatic philosophy change in our defense. And it helped our defensive success greatly, it even improved our sack rate. But then when it all came down to it in week 18 against the Lions to go to the playoffs, Joe Barry went back against the green. And again, he blitzed Goff 33% of the time. It worked so well for him for weeks and then he totally backed off what the Packers cannot do is look at the last five weeks and say yeah the Packers have a great defense no do not make that uh the Packers had a great defense they won us those games and Joe Barry has figured it out um no do not make that mistake if you do you will see yeah if you look at the last five games, yeah, the Packers held teams to just 17.6 points per game over the last five weeks. That's awesome. That's a top defense in the NFL, yes. But what teams were we playing over those last five weeks? The Bears, the 25th ranked offense um, in DVOA, which accounts for how good the teams they played against were. The Rams, the 21st ranked offense. The Vikings, 23rd ranked. Those three teams were bottom 10 units in the NFL this season. And you have to realize that before you put so much credit in those games, then the other game we had is against the Dolphins, the 10th ranked offense. And they had three interceptions at the end of the game when probably I think Tua was playing with a concussion and they still had 20 points in that game. And then the Lions were the fifth ranked offense in the NFL. But if you look at that game in week 18, uh, Jared Goff, in the first half of that game, the Lions only scored six points. Goff could barely throw the football in the cold. Goff has been notorious for struggling in the cold over the course of the entire season. Okay, the Packers had the 18th ranked defense in the NFL according to DVOA. Eighth best passing defense, 31st ranked rushing defense. Don't forget, the Packers had one of the worst games in NFL history stopping the run against the Eagles earlier this year. This has been a problem forever for the Packers, and it has not been fixed. And this is Joe Barry's third year running this defense. It was 18th this year, 22nd last year, 14th in his first season. There's no growth happening. And this is a defense that has a lot of money and resources put into it. The Packers had five guys on rookie contracts who are first-round picks. They have five guys on huge money deals. Uh, that's a lot of resources, a ton, probably more than any other team in the NFL. So while this Packers defense has not been bad, it's below average to the last three seasons, it should be elite. With this type of personnel and resources invested into this side of the football, you should have better results, significantly better results. And that is why the rest of the NFL believed this was going to be a top five, at least top 10 defense in the NFL this season, and it was not. The Packers spent the second most cash in the league on defense in 2022 and were eliminated before the wild card round, which is absolutely embarrassing. This defense lost two key contributors, Rashawn Gary and Eric Stokes, but every team deals with injuries. That does not explain this type of performance from Joe Barry running this defense, and he it is time for him to go. To me, I would have hired Ezero Evero as our new defense coordinator. Evero was the Broncos DC this year, college roommates with best friends of Nathaniel Hackett. If there was one thing that was perfect about the Broncos, it was Evero and that defense. This defense did not finish the year well, and I think because the whole locker room was lost. But if you look at the first 10 games, they only averaged uh, giving up 17 points per game. PFF had them ranked as the seventh ranked defense over the whole season. They had the number one coverage grade of all teams in the NFL. This team... But this team did not have a ton of talent. They had a top cornerback in 
Patrick Sertan, a solid safety in Justin Simmons. And that's really it. They paid big money for Randy Gregory and Bradley Chubb, but Chubb was gone halfway through the year and Randy Gregory barely played because he was hurt. And so knowing the individual talent on this roster, their results were pretty incredible, actually. And he, Evero performed so well, he received several head coaching interviews. He's the real deal. He can come into a situation in Green Bay with the Packers spending the third most money in the NFL in 2023 on defense and help them play up to their potential. Uh, to me, Evero could perform well for the second year in a row as a DC. And I think he would get one of the head coaching vacancies of next offseason. And that's perfect. And here's why. Two main reasons. One, Evero is not only the best choice for the Packers knowing their situation, a team that's probably a ways away from winning a Super Bowl. If they were on the cusp of a Super Bowl, then I would have hired Vic Fangio in a heartbeat, but we are not, so there's no reason to. But hiring Evero is the best option out there for one reason, because he's the best option out there, he's the best fit, and because he's a guy who's probably on a one-year track. This is a guy probably going to get hired as a head coach, and that's important for a couple of reasons. One, He's a minority. Now, I'm never about saying hire Evero because he's a minority, but because he is, that is important because he, if he gets a head coaching job, the Packers receive a third round compensatory pack pick back for losing him. Losing him. Okay. And Evero, no matter what his race is, would be a great hire for the Packers. He just happens to also be a minority, which helps the Packers get a third round pick back in exchange. And that's perfect because losing your DC after one year, you're kind of like, why would you want that? That sounds like a bad idea. Why would I want that to happen? Well, it's because the long-term ideal defensive coordinator for the Packers is Jim Leonard. Leonard was Matt LaFleur's choice before he decided on the hiring of Joe Barry, but Jim Leonard pulled himself out, I believe, because he believed he was the shoe-in for the Badgers' head coaching job. But the Badgers decided to move in a different direction after a couple of years. Many thought, uh, Jim Leonard would try to find a job after that, but Leonard has decided to sit the year from coaching and get a major hip surgery accomplished. And I find that extremely interesting that there's no reason Joe Barry should still be the defensive coordinator for the Packers, but the Matt LaFleur has kept him for one more year. Uh, but to me, truly to me, I think LaFleur knows Leonard is his guy and he's going to hire him after the season. And to me, this is the perfect way to get the best man for the job in 2023 by signing Evero and for the future of this Packers team as well by getting a guy for just one season getting that third round pick for losing him and then getting our young defensive genius to take over the NFL and Jim Leonard for the future for multiple seasons on the offensive side of the football to me there were some fun options out there Kellen Moore the Dallas Cowboys Eric Bennett the enemy formerly the Chiefs these would have been creative minds to come in bring new ideas to this Packers team but I don't know if this offense Necessary lacks creativity. Matt LaFleur can bring all of that creativity, especially now that he has full reins with Aaron Rodgers out of the picture. I think I believe the Packers were right to keep Adam Senevich. While Senevich may not bring the creativity, what he does add is continuity and most importantly, quality offensive line play. Year in and year out, the Packers have options on their offensive line and almost every single year, the Packers have major injuries and <clears throat> they are swapping guys all over their offensive line and for the most part, they hold up. Last year was no different. The Packers had the third best pass blocking offensive line in the NFL in 2022, even though Elkin Jenkins and Bakhtiar were coming off of major injuries. We had swaps at right tackle all season long. There were good options at offense corner, but I think changing one side of the football is the right move for one offseason. Now, instead of hiring entirely 
new coordinators on the offensive side of the football, there could be some position coach changes possible. Now, though someone has to, because for me, the one part about Adam Stanovich I don't like, he's he's been consistently able to bring about good quality top five, top 10 pass blocking offensive lines every single year. The problem about him is he needs someone to come in and bring some juice as our run blocking for several years has struggled. Okay. It's been, we've had zero ability to be effective and creative running the football and it needs to change. We have this 22nd ranked unit in 2022, 23rd ranked unit in 2021. I think an important way to raise the floor of your offense is by having a strong running game. And that's through creative run blocking and better overall coaching sometimes. And the Packers need to improve in that area. Area. Finding a new offensive line coach who has creative running styles could be key to that for the Packers' success offensively. I'm not going to sit here and act like I know exactly who that coach is, but there's guys out there for sure. One big name. Uh, so for all offensive line coaches, find someone who can be a mauler in the run game. Add that component that you just don't understand because for years the Packers have not understood what that looks like, what the technique changes look like, all of it. Okay, and it's, it's got to change. There's someone who can bring creative rushing attacks as well to this offense and be a run game coordinator for us. Then another position coach change to me that stuck out was a QB's coach. Um, Tom Clements is our current uh, QB's coach, but I really don't think he's up to par at this stage of his life. I Just watching him on the sideline, I don't think he adds the juice that he's got long-term knowledge, which is important. But I think there was a great name out there, and the Panthers hired him. That was QB's coach, Josh McCown. The Packers did not invest money in a veteran QB to mentor Jordan Love. And while I get not spending a decent amount of cast space and a roster spot on a veteran QB, there are tricks of the trade that are important to know that are happening right now in today's NFL that a veteran QB can deliver to a guy like Jordan Love. And if you're not going to sign him as a free agent, then you need to hire them as a QB's coach. And McCown is the closest thing to that. McCown is 40 years old. He's widely regarded as one of the best leaders, mentors, as a longtime NFL quarterback. And he almost even became the Texans head coach last offseason. McCown is a great teacher of the game. He's young. And I think he can relate and truly teach these guys um, because he can get in there. He can do the work. And I think that would have been a great hire to help Jordan Love develop. Now, so that's coaching. Hiring Evero, get a third-round pick back, sign Jim Leonard, and then find a new run game coordinator, <clears throat> offensive line coach, and a, and then hiring Josh McCown as the new quarterbacks coach. And then let's talk about some players we would trade. It starts with the offensive tackle position. You guys know my position, but both David Bakhtiari and Yash Nyman have to go. The offensive tackle position is just not the one that usually is easy to find. But personally to me, the Packers' future does not include David Bakhtiari, who struggles to play on turf fields. Okay, That's 14 out of 30 NFL stadiums. That's a high percentage that Bakhtiari just won't play in those games. And you can't have a guy you are relying on like that on your team. But Bakhtiari also is one of the best pass-blocking left tackles in the NFL. If Bakhtiari was made available at the same time Rodgers was, a team might have jumped on the opportunity to trade for Bakhtiari knowing things are looking up for him. I think the Packers could have received a conditional 2024 second-round pick for Bakhtiari had he played 60% of offensive snaps in 2023. 
and it turns into a third if not. That move alone will get just two and a half million off the books for 2023, but most importantly, it gets 41 million off the books in 2024. That money, the Packers will now no longer have against their cap, which is huge, okay? Yash Nyman is the other guy. Very important person from The Athletic, Nate Tice, is all over the uh, NFL world. And he said Nyman is a quality offensive tackle and teams would easily give up a third rounder for him. To me, Nyman is not the future. And if a team thinks he is, then let them try. Nyman to me is a decent offensive tackle, but now that you are actually paying him real money, he's out $4.3 million this season. I don't think he can live up to that contract, plus the one he will get next offseason if he does play decent. I think the Packers should get what they can for Nyman in a third round pick in 2024. Yes, 2024, not 2023. It can be a conditional one. If Nyman is elected to do a Pro Bowl, it becomes a second round pick. I don't care. But if not, it's just a third. But the Packers want to stack up on draft capital for the future as well, not just the 2023 NFL draft. Then on defense, the big one is Preston Smith. Preston Smith is the definition of average. He always has been. For most of his career, he has been a 66 overall PFF grade type of guy. And that type of guy does not deserve $13 million a year. Smith is also now almost 31 years old. This guy is the definition of not a part of a Super Bowl team in 2025. I'm trading him for a conditional third-round pick um, or a fourth-round pick if not, uh, if he doesn't meet the conditions. This saves the Packers, again, just $2.5 million, But again, it's not the savings that's important this year. It's the savings in the future. Um, saving the Packers a total of around $21 million in 2024. And then finally, then the last guy is safety, Darnell Savage. Brian Gudikins gave him the fifth-year option, $7.9 million. That was the right move at the time. Okay, I would have done the same thing. But at this point, I think it's best to just move on. Maybe a new defensive coordinator could get the most out of him. But if I could get that $7.9 million completely off the books, I would. And I think a team would take a chance on his speed, give up a late fifth-round pick for him in the 2023 draft. Those trades would get around $6 million off the books for this season. Oh, yeah, because I traded Preston Smith before the June 1st deadline. So we actually take a big dead cap hit right away for that. So it would only get 6 million off the books right now, but it's going to get 62 million off the books in 2024 and it results in the Packers having four more draft picks in 2024. So let's move to guys I would have signed. Okay. We have, you know, before free agency, you have, what are you going to do with your major players? I'm going to trade these guys away. Then we got, now we have free agency and what's going to happen in free agency. If I was a GM, because of all the intense dead cap hits I would be taking by trading these major players away, I would not have signed a ton of major players, but there are a few that I think would be worth the cost. And it's not a ton of guys. Remember, this is a team that I think would be uh, in a rebuild, okay? That is rebuilding. And when you're rebuilding, you're not spending a ton in free agency. That should be they should be filling their depth chart with tons of draft picks and tons of undrafted free agents and seeing if a few of them can be decent players for you. And those contracts are the cheapest ones possible. That's why you build through those areas and not through free agency. But there are a few guys I would go out and sign. Receiver John Ross, uh, 1.08 million one-year contract. We talked about this in the last last podcast, but 4-2-2 speed can change the complexity of your entire offense. And if you face a team that is playing eight guys in the box on you, send out John Ross, and then either Christian Watson or John Ross can win deep down the field with their straight line speed against those one safety looks. John Ross could be just a package player, but a package that could be dangerous once or twice a game. 
Left tackle, Isaiah Wynn. One year, $2.3 million. Isaiah Wynn is just coming off his rookie contract after his rookie season. After his first year in the NFL, he had two more years starting at left tackle and played very well for the Patriots. And then for some random reason, he was switched to right tackle in 2022. He did not fare well. But why would he expect to? He just started three years at left tackle. Wynn is an above average left tackle in the NFL. And getting him on a deal this cheap is too hard to pass up. And then right tackle, Jermaine Illuminor, one-year, $3 million deal. Illuminor, over the last 11 games, after the bye in 2022, uh, he was the sixth-best offensive tackle in football. That's insane value for a for-sure starter at right tackle. This gives the Packers flexibility because now Zach Tom can play at left tackle or center because David Bakhtiari is out of the, out of the mix, uh, depending on how good Wynn and Myers are in the offseason. So... If Myers is just looking terrible, Zach Tom can transition to be the starting center for the Packers. And if he, if uh, Isaiah Wynn doesn't look like the guy or Josh Myers looks amazing, then Zach Tom can train to be our starting left tackle and uh, Isaiah Wynn can be our backup left tackle, which is awesome to have a guy like him as a backup. And then on the edge, edge rusher Ogbo Okoronko, three years, 19 and a half million. This is just six and a half million a year for a new starter opposite Rashawn Gary. Ogbo had a an 81.9 pass rush grade in 2022. From week seven on, he was a top 10 edge rusher in pressure rate, pass rush win rate, and had an elite pass rushing grade over that time span. And he's only 28 years old. This is a good starting edge rusher whose contract does not keep you from looking in the draft for another top edge rusher, but still gives you the flexibility to not need one. This is incredible value. This is the only long-term contract I handed out but getting a starting edge rusher opposite Rashawn Gary is essential, okay? And not being forced to do that in the draft is also very important. Then, at cornerback, Shaq Griffin, $3.5 million. Shaq Griffin, he's a longtime starting cornerback. He got a huge payday. Then he got hurt in 2022. I think in a defense like the Packers, uh, he can have another above-average season. And honestly, as the third cornerback, uh, maybe even fourth if Eric Stokes gets healthy, he could look really special when playing out there because he's going to have so many good, talented players around him, which means a big payday in 2023 or 2024 and possibly a compensatory pick for the Packers after then at the safety position, the Packers spent around 1.34 million on four different safeties. None of them, which have been even average starting safeties, most of their NFL careers while they can help our special teams. They are not quality starting safeties. I don't know why we spent decent money on guys who have not been above average starting safeties when we could have just signed these two who are first is safety ryan neal 1.2 million he was the fifth ranked coverage player in 2022 according to next gen stats was the only safety on that top 10 list and that was backed up with an 84.4 coverage grade by pff that's top end safety play and i want that on my roster for that cheap that's insane value then there's safety taylor rap 1.75 1.75 million. This is a little more expensive, but over the last nine games, the second half of the season, Rap had an 81.4 overall PFF grade, which ranked seventh in the NFL at safety over that time period. So again, a great value for that type of production. So the Packers have two guys who could be our two starting safeties ready to go. Then finally, punter Matt Areza. Areza broke records throughout college. This they they called this guy the punt god. Okay. Uh, he ended up being wrongfully accused of a crime, has been proven innocent. Give this guy a chance because I think he has the potential to be a Hall of Fame punter. Get this guy in the building. So those are the free agents that the Packers should be adding to their roster. And honestly, they're spending less 
about the same amount, if not less, than they did on their the free agents that they just signed this offseason. They spent about $20.72 million. Here we got about $2.75. We got $4 million, $7.5 million, $14 million, $17 million. Yeah, they'd only be spending $20 million. They'd be spending less than they did on the free agents they, they, that they did sign. So this, honestly, to me, this is great value with all these players. And then we'd be getting to the NFL draft. Now, I can't use information after the draft that came out during OTAs and minicaps that to help me decide on where I would have went. I'm simply going back to my redo of the mock draft, but I have a few different moves I would know I'm making, which would open up some different options to move towards in the draft because, you know, <clears throat> I signed these guys. I, I signed Ogbo Okoronko, for example. So maybe I don't feel this need to draft an edge rusher. So the biggest thing, remember, I use in my mock draft scenarios is the overall consensus board to drive my decisions. The consensus board has proven over the last three years that GMs that get steals via the consensus board are about on average 30% happier with their selections. They have a 30% higher chance of success compared to those who choose to reach on a player. So I am consistently using the overall consensus board and drafting players who are falling down those boards. For time's sake, I'm not going to go through all the trades that happened, but all these trades that I'm mentioning happened after the Packers' original pick, meaning, okay, team Texans traded up with the, let's just say the Seahawks, and the Packers drafted even before the Seahawks, so the Texans would be willing to make the same trade to the Packers as they would have to the Seahawks because it would be a higher, a better pick. So uh, all these trades that are happening, they happened in the NFL draft. So I just have the Packers actually being on the phone and taking advantage of these trades that are happening. And so with all the trades, we're not going to mention them all. Uh, and then there's the Darnell Savage trade, which gains us an extra uh, end of the fifth round type of pick as well. The Packers will finish with 13 selections. So here are those 13 draft picks. Starting at pick 17, the Packers select Jackson Smith DeJigba, wide receiver out of Ohio State. Again, this is part of the trades that we t- just I just mentioned. The Packers traded back, just like the Steelers had to trade up. Packers would have been the team they traded up with. So to me, JSN is obviously receiver one in this draft class. Everyone else thought so as well. If his hamstring is okay, he's going to have the biggest impact from day one. He had elite short area quickness, 90th percentile, short shuttle. 97th percentile three cone. He is elite in short area. Okay. And that's so important as a slot receiver. And JSN did not get drafted until pick 20, which is a total steal as JSN was the 11th ranked player on the consensus draft board. The Packers obviously believed they wanted to get a true slot receiver because at pick 50, they actually selected Jaden Reed, a guy who will play only slot receiver for the Packers. The Packers to me should have simply just gotten JSN in the first round. And to me, that was a a fairly large mistake. I think there is a huge, a lot of boom or bust potential with a guy like uh, Lucas Van Ness, who they drafted a rusher out of Iowa. I think he is still he's he's going to be a good player as well. I think he has the potential to be a Rashawn Gary type of player, uh, or he has the potential to be a Preston Smith type of player. So, uh, in either of those two players, I'm sure. 
I wouldn't be happy with Preston Smith. I'd be ecstatic about Rashawn Gary. And so we'll have to see. But I think JSN would have been a perfect complement to what the Packers have in Dobbs and Watson right now. I understand you need to have speed from the slot, but the Packers did get speed from the slot from a guy like Luca Musgrave. They have to realize that is a way to attack the middle of the field with true speed. And then we already had speed from the slot on this roster with guys like with a guy like Bo Melton, actually. And the Packers move around Christian Watson so much. And there was speed with undrafted free agents, with uh, free agents, which we just talked about by getting a guy like John Ross. So to me, I liked JSN in the first round. I know the injury is a concern, but I think he has the potential to be really, really special, like Amon Ross St. Brown special. And having Amon Ross St. Brown plus Christian Watson, oh, this offense would be awesome. Pick 42, Luke Musgrave, tight end, Oregon State. I do exactly what the Packers did. We talked about this prior to the draft, but the data shows you, shows you that you were just as likely to find a top tight end in the second round as you are in the first. What matters is speed, mostly 10-yard splits, and a tight end's ability to avoid tackles. Luke Musgrave does both of those things very well. He had the best 10-yard split in this draft class, which was in the 95th percentile. If he can stay healthy, he has the potential at his size to be the best vertical threat tight end in this draft. Pick 45, safety Brian Branch out of Alabama. So to me, Branch was the consensus 24th-ranked player in the draft. PFF had him as that 15th-ranked player. He was elite in college, played the star position for Alabama. And in the second round, that would have been a steal for sure. And he is good enough to play slot cornerback as well. And he he does not turn 22 until October. So Branch is going to be one of the best rookie defenders in this draft class in year one. And he's not even going to be 22 years old. So... Again, a very young player, just like JSN, and I love that. So then on to the third round, pick 78, tight end, Darnell Washington out of Georgia. The Packers already got their slot receiver in Jackson Smith and Jigba. They got their vertical threat, fast, speedy tight end, Musgrave. Now they get their inline, big, monstrous inline tight end, who they've loved and utilized so much in Mercedes Lewis the last couple of years. Washington on the consensus board was the 36th ranked player. While Tucker Craft, the Packers, who the Packers did select, was the 67th ring player. If I were the Packers, I would have simply just selected Darnell Washington. Washington is taller, bigger, faster, better short shuttle, and uh, change of direction, bigger hands. He has a 99th percentile wingspan. Washington had an even higher RAS score than Tucker Craft did, and... Darnell Washington is even younger. He uh, Again, Washington is not even 22 years old yet at the time of the draft. Washington, I believe, has the potential to be a red zone monster, a guy nobody wants to tackle because of his size, and with the right coaching, a good blocker. And right now, to me, with the weapons, all these new weapons, the Packers can attack the middle of opposing defenses. We'd able, we would be able to truly see this Matt LaFleur offense shine as Kyle Shanahan's offense focuses on attacking the middle of opponents' defenses, which Rodgers are kind of refuse to do while Jordan Love has made Josiah DeGuara look like a capable tight end when they play together in the past. So Josiah DeGuara now is your move H-back tight end. Musgrave is your speedy vertical threat. And Darnell Washington is your true inline tight end. And JSN is your true slot receiver. The Packers would have the whip weapons in the middle of the field to know exactly just how good uh, of an offensive designer Matt LaFleur really is. And really enough offensive weapons to know how good Jordan Love is, which is probably the most important part because we really do, I do believe Matt LaFleur is a really special head coach. Pick 104 in the fourth round, uh, Packers would select offensive tackle Dewan Jones out of Ohio State. He's a great pass protector. I, I think Jones is so underrated in this draft class. Nobody can bull rush him because he's 370 pounds. No one's fast enough to get all the way around him because he has a 90-inch wingspan, which is 98th percentile. Uh, 
and giant hands. He's mean as a run blocker because of his size. After he stopped playing after a dominant day of practice at the Senior Bowl, he was basically a coach the rest of the week. I, I Calling out pass rush moves before they would come. He seems intelligent. He seems smart. seems like a quick thinker. That type of coaching mentality, maybe people do that. Maybe he only did it to look good, but he did it, and it shows that he has that in him, and it shows better character to me than what people have given off to the fact that he fell to the fourth round. Dewan Jones was the 31st ranked player, according to PFF. He was the 46th ranked player on the overall consensus board. And the Packers right here are getting him almost 60 picks later. That's insane value. And again, this guy is just 21 years old. Again, a young prospect that you're betting on. These guys have not hit their ceiling yet even. And now the Packers have their right tackle of the future. If he is not ready in year one, we already have a guy in free agency, Jermaine Illuminor, ready to start. So we aren't having Jordan Love getting thrown the wolves if he isn't. I think in year two, year three, he definitely should be, though. And then right after that, fourth round, pick 105, edge interior defense lineman Ade Adeboare. Adeboare had a 972 RES score, one of the highest of any defensive lineman in the draft. He's six foot two, 282 pounds, 34-inch arms, 82.5-inch wingspan. That's six foot ten, which is huge. Okay, He looked great at the Senior Bowl. His unique build allows him to get low at the snap and then create separation because of those long arms. Uh, and he did that all week at the Senior Bowl. And he had a 91.8 pass rush grade at the Senior Bowl that week. This is why this guy stood out to me. He, he had a, and then it's it's these athletic numbers though. 449 40 yard dash, fastest by any player over 280 pounds, which is even faster than Rashawn Gary's. Okay. And Rashawn Gary was lighter than him. So a 97 athleticism score. Uh, among all players ever in the draft since 2003 who have been 275 plus pounds. He has the fastest 40-yard dash. He has the second best broad jump and third best vertical jump. That's insane. To me, Adebowale is the cheap version of Lucas Van Ness. Just, he's just an extreme athlete without the polish, and that's what Adebowale is. And the thing about Adebowale is he, I think he can play the same way with the versatility of Lucas Van Ness on the interior or on the edge. And so to me, to get Adeboire in the fourth round or get Lucas Van Ness in the first, to me, that value makes sense better with the fourth round option. Then in the fifth, pick 174, and this might be an early sixth, uh, center Luke Weipler out of Ohio State. Weipler was the 54th ranked prospect according to PFF, 82nd ranked player on the overall consensus board. Again, a total steal, guys. These are guys who are falling down the draft boards. 92 picks later, what makes Weipler special is his athleticism. He was the most athletic center in this draft class, 931 RAS score. While athleticism is not essential at the center position, it's still helpful. And to me, he was the second best center in this draft class, and he was not that far behind John Michael Schmitz. And Weipler is, again, just 21 years old. So he's a little, he's a younger. Uh, and honestly, comparing Weipler to Myers who has been a complete disappointment. Weipler is a younger, more athletic version of Josh Myers coming out who had better production in college. The thing about Weipler is he needs to gain weight and get a stronger base. So drafting Luke, Luke Weipler, he's not going to take over in 2023. Maybe 2024, for sure by 2025 would be the plan and let Josh Myers ride out his rookie contract and the Packers never are going to be paying for a uh, second contract center. And that's huge because you want to, you need to save money. And this is a way to do that. 
<clears throat> pick 176, interior defense lineman Carl Brooks. Brooks is not very athletic, but he led his team at Bowling Green in sacks for five years in a row. He played edge rusher there at almost 300 pounds, which is really weird. It doesn't make sense. But Brooks, to me, has a chance to be a quality interior defense lineman for the Packers, a possible starter, depending on his development, as he begins to train on the interior full-time. And the Packers actually did select Carl Brooks, which I was super happy about. Then at pick 205, tight end Zach Koontz out of Old Dominion. Now, the Packers already drafted two tight ends, but this is just, you, I don't think you can pass up this athletic of a player. Okay. He's six foot seven, um, and he set several records at the combine. He had a record setting broad jump and vertical jump. And so, very, very athletic guy, six foot seven, 255 pounds, 34 inch arms, over 10 inch hands, 455, 40 yard dash. A great three cone, six eight seven, which is the fastest in this draft class. Faster, um, that's a really fast time. Great short shuttle, four one two. This could be the next Mike Kosicki type of player to me. He missed most of twenty twenty two during due to injury, but he had a seventy eight point one receiving grade in twenty twenty one. So I I I think this guy has some traits to develop, and he has the athleticism to develop. The Packers are always developing these athletic tight ends as undrafted free agents, just bring in this guy in the sixth round and see what he can become. Pick 222, running back Dwayne McBride out of UAB. McBride, again, 135th ranked player on the overall consensus board, number 98 on the PFF board, a total steal, almost 100 picks after where he was ranked. The Packers would be able to draft him here. He had a 36% career force miss tackle rate. That's the third highest all-time in college history, okay? Only behind guys like Javante Williams and B. John Robinson, okay? He had a nation-leading 7.3 yards per attempt and 4.6 yards after contact, which was second in all of college football. He has been a highest-grade player in the conference this last season, last season 94.1 overall PFF grade, two elite seasons in a row, okay? Seventh round, a 21-year-old with this type of production, you got to take it. Pick 227, uh, interior offensive lineman, Andrew Voorhees. So Andrew Voorhees is not going to play in 2023. This is a guy who's going to go on our IR, but this is a guy who is capable of probably being a fourth round pick, third round pick, and then he tore his ACL. Um, he has incredible power, incredible strength. He had an elite. He's got uh, over he has almost 3,500 snaps of playing of college football. Um, I think he can be a swing guard for you at the worst. And I think he can turn into a average starting guard after he recovers from injury or from his surgery. And he can be an average starting guard for you at right guard, possibly even in 2024, maybe 2025. But I, I like, again, trying to find guys who can be average starting interior offensive lineman on rookie contracts. And if you can get that, then you're talking about saving so much money and having a just a quality offensive line. Pick 235, offensive tackle Jake Witt out of Northern Michigan. Witt um, played at Northern Michigan. He had an amazing workout that went viral. Former basketball player. So 2020 season was canceled. 2021, he was playing tight end. At the very end of the year, he switched to right tackle because of injuries to their offensive line. And then in 2022, he moved to left tackle full-time, 6'7", 302 pounds. He's lean. He's rocked up. 33 and a half inch arms, 489, 40-yard dash, 37-inch vertical. Incredible jumps, better than Tristan Wirfs. His position drills looked really good at his pro day. 
I think this guy has the potential with a couple years like a Yash Nyman to develop. We're talking 2025 to be a potential starter for the Packers. Pick 242, safety Anthony Johnson Jr. This is his first year playing safety. He played cornerback throughout college before this, but he can do it all. He can go sideline to sideline like a um, with his speed. He can hit like a linebacker. He can man up in the slot. Uh, some people remind him of Troy Polamalu. He was tied for the fastest recorded GPS time on the field last season at 23.1 miles per hour. With that type of speed, he has a chance to be special. I like that he played corner in the past, I, and I think it's he's an exciting player at safety for the Packers. And there's a ton of undrafted free agents I would, I would mention as well. QB Sean Clifford, Clifford, he should not have been drafted. Get him here. QB Millie Cunningham, running back Keaton Mitchell, running back Muhammad Ibrahim out of Minnesota, one of the more steady running backs in the country the last few years. Uh, Bryce Ford Wheaton, receiver out of West Virginia. He had the highest RAS score of any receiver in this draft with a 997 score, which is insane. Matt Landers, another speedster out of Arkansas, kind of MVS looking type of player. Interior defense lineman Moro Ajoma out of Texas. To me, this is the best undrafted free agent out there. He's your classic 3-4 defensive end with his current size, 6'3", 292 pounds. Very similar to Adeboare, but What's special about Ojomo is he's a very good run defender in college. Uh, he has really long arms as well. He had the fourth highest run defense grade in the country in 2022. Uh, and he still looked like an explosive pass rusher, 18% pass rush win rate, which is pretty high. So I really like Ojomo. Edge rusher Andre Carter II out of Army. Many thought he was going to be a first-round pick during the offseason, last offseason. Things change. He needs to grow. He needs to uh, develop his body better. But he can do that in Green Bay with no pressure, with no pressure to compete till 2025. Edge Bret- Bretton Cox Jr., awesome pickup by the Packers already. He's uh, is shown up during camp, during minicamp uh, so far, OTAs. He's looked pretty good. Edge linebacker Isaiah Land out of Florida A&M. This is my chance at trying to find a James Houston, Bryce Huff speed rusher type of player. I think every team should have one of those designated speed rushers and get them on their team. Linebacker Ivan Pace Jr. out of Cincinnati. This is a guy who I thought should have, been, should have been drafted in like the fifth round. He went undrafted. He led all of college football with the highest PFF grade, uh, 93.2 overall uh, on defense. And ACC Defensive Player of the Year. I've just never seen a guy change speed so fast. At the worst, this guy is going to be a top special teamer. Another guy, linebacker Aubrey Miller Jr., cornerback Starling Thomas, safety Trey Dean, safety Kayvon Merriweather, and Christopher kicker Christopher Dunn out of NC State a kicker who by all the numbers all his performances last year he was extremely better than Anders Carlson ever looked and I didn't need to use a draft pick for him so and I might be wrong about that okay but before the draft I said Christopher Dunn is a better option than Anders Carlson was and it looks like Anders has been good in camp for the Packers but I would have went Christopher Dunn so now let's talk about what this overall team looks like okay so let's look at this depth chart. Just pulling it up so I can just even, I don't even mess it up because there's so many players we just talked about. So on offense, you're talking about Jordan Love, a court starter, Sean Clifford, Malik Cunningham, undrafted free agents. Running back, you got Aaron Jones, AJ Dillon. You got seventh round pick, Dwayne McBride. You have undrafted free agent uh, last year, Tyler Goodson, who the Packers really like. And two more, Muhammad Ibrahim and Keaton Mitchell. Wide receivers, Christian Watson, Romeo Dobbs are your starters on the outside. Jackson Smith, Jigba, your starter in the slot. And then you have Samari Torre, your kind of developmental do-it-all type of receiver. 
And then after that, you just got speedsters. Okay, you got Bo Melton, slot receiver, speedster, John Ross, speedster. And then you got Bryce Ford Wheaton, Malik Landers, and Malik Heath as your undrafted free agents. Tight ends, you got Luke Musgrave, Darnell Washington, your second and third round picks. You got Josiah DeGuara, and then you also have your sixth round pick in Zach Koontz. And then on your offensive line, you got... <clears throat> uh, so right there, the weapons I just listed, that's a ton of weapons. And there's going to be guys who are going to be cut even from that group probably um, who I like and but can become practice squad players or you're ready if injuries happen, whatever is going to happen. Or you're ready to trade veterans away because you like the rookies so much. But I love that group of weapons for the offense, for Jordan Love or whoever's the quarterback after the season. And honestly, this group of weapons, to me, it's not that different than the ones the Packers have now. But I think it's better than the ones the Packers have now because I think Darnell Washington's better than Tucker Craft. I think Zach Koontz is better than Ryan Taylor. Is that the something? Taylor is our fourth string tight end right now. I think Jackson Jigba is obviously better than Jaden Reed. So <clears throat> I think, honestly, the undrafted free agents I picked up and John Ross are better options than any of the draft picks the Packers made late in the draft at receiver. So I just, and I think Dwayne McGride's a better running back than Lou Nichols the third, who the Packers drafted. So I just, I think all the players I got on offense are better options than what the Packers went for. And then on the offensive line, from left to right, your starters are going to be left tackle Zach Tom, left guard Elton Jenkins, center Josh Myers, right guard uh, John Rennie Jr., and right tackle Jermaine Illuminor. And then backing them up, you still have incredible backups. You got... Your second string offensive line is left tackle Isaiah Wynn, left guard Sean Ryan, center Luke Weipler, right guard Jake Witt, right tackle Dwan Jones, and then you still have Rashid Walker, Andrew Voorhees, Royce Newman, and Caleb Jones. Of those 14 guys, you're going to find 10 guys you really, really like. You're going to get two of them. Andrew Voorhees is already off for the year. You're going to get three more that are injured, and then you're going to land on 10 guys right there. So, And then on to uh, the... D- Defensive side of the football, it's, it's just, sorry, I'm out of it. Only slept like an hour and a half last night with the new baby. So that's our overall offense. To me, for sure, this is going to be an above average offensive line. Okay. You're talking about having dudes with offensive weapons. These are the weapons for the next three to four seasons, not counting running backs. And they have, to me, a real potential to be special. I think with Josh McCown as our new QBs coach, Matt LaForme, Matt LaFleur at the helm, we will have enough information to truly evaluate Jordan Love. He's either a terrible quarterback or even an average starter. If so, we immediately replace him in the 2024 NFL draft. But if he's good, then we see how he does in 2024 on his current contract. But if he's elite, then we extend him this offseason. And then our overall defense. Front seven, you got Rashawn Gary on one edge with Kingsley and Agbury and Andre Carter, Andre Carter backing him up. On the other edge, uh, you got Ogbo Orkowankro with Brenton Cox Jr., Isaiah Land, Kenneth Odomegwu, who are, is our international player. <clears throat> on the other side, on the interior, you got Kenny Clark, TJ Slayton, and Devontae Wyatt are your starters. But then you got Ade Adebore, Jonathan Ford, Carl Brooks, and Moro Ajomo as the backups. At linebacker, you got Devondre Campbell, Quay Walker as your starters. Then you got Ivan Pace Jr., Tariq Carpenter, Aubrey Miller, Miller Jr. as your backups. And then at in the secondary, you got your two starters for sure are Rasul Douglas, Jai Alexander. Then, depending on how 
things work in camp, depending on how healthy Eric Stokes is. You got Shaq Griffin, Eric Stokes, Keyshawn Nixon fighting for that last starting spot. And then you have Starling Thomas as a backup player as well. And then safeties, you're going to have, I think, three guys who are ready to start right away. Brian Brandt, Taylor Rapp, and Ryan Neal. Those two, will, three will fight for two spots. And then you got also Anthony Johnson Jr., Kayvon Merriweather, and Trey Dean the third backing them up. And so that defense, to me, with Azure Everill running this defense, not Joe Barry, this defense has a real chance to be pretty special without any of our draft picks already. Before the draft, we had quality starters up and down the lineup. The only notable gap was Kingsley uh, Anagbury, but we filled that with Ogbo Okoronko as a new starter and probably our nose tackle position. Other than that, though, we have n- no below average players. Okay, it's average to elite players everywhere on this defense. This defense, with Everill running the show, could be dangerous, a true top 10 unit. And just like on offense, we have young athletic talent behind them ready to take over when they are ready with guys like Adi Abouare, Carl Brooks, uh, who was the other guys. Now I'm blanking on all these things. Guys like Ivan Pace Jr., who I really like. Uh, you got Andre Carter II in a couple years. You got Mauro Joma in a couple years. So you got Brian Branch. You got Anthony Johnson. Okay, so you have the future on your roster right now, which I, I love. I love that. And this depth is all over our roster because what I what it does is we are, no, the Packers know we are not on track to win a Super Bowl. Okay, we talked about this a hundred times, but the Packers should be trying to win a Super Bowl in 2024, 2025 with this roster, probably 2024 if you draft the right quarterback in 2024 or Jordan Love becomes the guy. But honestly, with the team I just built, I think the Packers would have a 90% chance to win the NFC North because this team I just built is better than any other team in the North, um, but it's still not a Super Bowl team. So what this depth on this roster allows us to do is hey, say, hey, let's say we go through training camp and there are young rookies who are look like they're ready to start, then we can simply trade away some of the veteran guys in front of them to allow our rookies to start and begin their real development. So if Dewan Jones looks like the guy at right tackle, the Packers can trade away Jermaine Illuminor. If a Sean Ryan is ready to start at right guard, trade away a JRJ. If a Jake Witt, Rasheed Walker, Caleb Jones can be a backup left tackle, you trade away Isaiah Wynn. Same at running back. If Tyler Goodson, Muhammad Ibrahim, Keaton Mitchell, Dwayne McCride look great, then you trade away an A.J. Dillon or an Aaron Jones. Then this comes up a ton on defense at cornerback. If Eric Stokes gets healthy a couple weeks into the season and Shaq Griffin is playing well, we can trade away a Shaq Griffin for a decent draft pick. Or the Packers get to their bye, and it seems like Anthony Johnson or Brian Branch are ready to be the starters of safety. You can trade away a Ryan Neal or a Taylor Rapp. If the young guys are ready to play, the Packers have to let them play. But even if we don't trade away any of those guys, this Packers team has now built up quite the future for 2024 and beyond. Because in 2024, the Packers are set to have an extra first from the Aaron Rodgers trade, an extra second from the Bakhtiari trade, two extra thirds from the Nijman and Preston Smith trades, and then the compensatory third for Evero being hired as a head coach, add an extra compensation. Uh, compensatory pick, a fourth rounder for Alan Lazard signing in New York. The Packers will have eight top 100 picks, a total of 13 draft picks to continue to build this team in the 2024 NFL draft. And this is extremely important because if Jordan Love is not the guy, the Packers will have all the ammunition they need to trade up for the guy they believe who is available in this upcoming draft. Okay. And honestly, they have enough 
to the fact that if they had the <clears throat> number 10 and number 24 first round picks, and then they also had, they could trade 10, 24, two seconds, and a 2025 first round pick to go up and get Caleb Williams. And that would be worth it. That would 100% be worth it. And the Packers have the ammunition to do it. And the major difference here between my roster that I just constructed is financially as well. Under Brian Gutekunst, our salary cap space for 2024 right now looks like negative $3 million. So we are already in debt. Okay. But under my resume, the Packers would have $45 million in open cap space ready to use to fill in the gaps on this roster this upcoming offseason in 2024. The only real problem with the team I built to me is I found quality players all over the place. And that's an issue because this Packers team is probably going to win some games this year. Like I said, I think this team I just built could win the NFC North, which would take them out of the Caleb Love sweepstakes. But the culture that would be formed from simply winning football games and winning the North without Aaron Rodgers would bring some extreme confidence and growth from this now youngest team in the NFL. And to me, the Packers would be on track to start to build a real dynasty if they can figure out the quarterback position with the team I just constructed. And this is, again, why. And we're going to follow this throughout the years to see, was I right on my draft picks? Was I wrong? And that's okay if I'm wrong. I'm not an expert, but I'm trying to be. And we'll compare me to Brian Gutekinds. But honestly, this team I just built, I have a lot of confidence in. I'm a, I have a lot of excitement in. And I'm excited to see how these players turn out to see if they're Honestly, the Packers would have been better off with me in charge instead of Brian Gutekunst. And if that's the case, that's probably an issue and I shouldn't be doing this podcast and Brian Gutekunst shouldn't be doing his job. We, sh <laughs> But, and hopefully though, I'm wrong. Brian Gutekunst did a great job uh, because that would be better for the Packers. So that's all we have today, folks. This is a long one. Thanks for staying with me. If you haven't already, make sure to subscribe, give me a review so you can hear what you guys think about the podcast and tell your friends about Packers now so that they can get all the latest updates on the green and gold because it's always Packers season at Packers now. Thanks, guys.